Hello, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us as we study Mesechus Ksuvos as part of Daf HaShavua, Daf Nun Vav. I think uh, Daf HaShavua, the official program, is a little bit ahead. We're going to try to do some catching up, and uh, maybe I'll be sending this as a second shear this week. So you uh, stick to your pace, but at least you'll be have the opportunity to move ahead a little bit. I want to explain this concept of umdana, which uh, I really should have explained last week, but it continues on to our daf. You know, we have in American law something called a reasonable man standard. What would a reasonable person do in a situation? Sometimes that will be a determinant in law. You know that in Eretz Yisrael, when they were uh, fighting, Baruch Hashem today, our enemy is the... Uh, is Hamas and not fellow Jews, they had a big issue with uh, some of the issues in the Supreme Court. Is something reasonable or not reasonable? How do you define that? What would a reasonable person do? So Umdana is somewhat related to that. And I'm going to give you the case as presented. This is the famous Shita here of Rebbe Azaria. And uh, it started on the Mishnah, actually, on Daf uh, Nun Dalet, and it continues with our Gemara, the top of Nun Vav. An Umdana is an assumption, that we're basically making an assumption the way that people think. Some want to call it a presumption, a basis of a presumption. And as I'm about to point out, and we see from our Gemara, you're going to sometimes have a machlokas, even in an Umdana. So it's not like an Umdana is a 100% fact. But what's important, and that's why I'm spending time on it, because this comes up all over Shas, that sometimes an umdana is going to be strong enough to establish halacha. So very simply, if we go back to the Mishnah with Rebbe Lezah ben Azariah, Rebbe Lezah ben Azariah said that if someone added to the ksuba, to the necessary amount, we call that tosefes ksuba, and you assume, and this is very important, that it becomes a tenai of the ksuba and those 14 different uh, situations where it matters whether something is part of the ksuba or external to the ksuba. If it's part of the ksuba, then the tenai is integrated <clears throat> into the ksuba itself. Now, even Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah could hold that there's a tenai, but there's an exception. And the exception, this is the way I understand it, based on many Rishonim, the exception is if there's a, a get or the woman becomes a, uh, the guy passes away, the guy becomes a, a widow after the Arison. So the whole Tenai, the whole Tosefis Ksuva, the guy added whatever the amount was, to the, let's assume with the basula, to the 200, he added another uh, 1,500. Two th- whatever the number is, could go up as high as, as you want. That was because the umdana, the assumption, and that's what Rebbe Lezabanazariah spells out, is that they were going to get married. That is why he added so much. So it's true, you could have something that's called a tenai of the ksuba, but it could be qualified based on timing. When exactly does this divorce take place or the person pass away? We're going to see how this translates. I'll read to you the Rambam a little bit later. Now, 
this idea of umdana <clears throat> comes up many places in Shas. But I want to highlight something first, which I pointed out, that you can look at the umdana in a different way. Which means maybe a person, this is what we see on the on the Machlokas with the Berlaz of that a person is so excited about getting engaged that even for that he's going to add the Tosefas Ksuba. It's not because he was thinking necessarily ahead. Oh, after marriage, beautiful family, it's so amazing that somebody was willing to marry me. But no, you could say the same thing even after engagement. So that the view that even after engagement, the Tosefis Ksuva becomes a Tanai, it's basically like we've learned everything else, that the, since the Ksuba goes into effect at Erisin, so anything in the Ksuba is a Tanai of the Ksuba. Again, the Machlokas, what I just did is I showed you that even in Umdana, there could be a Machlokas of what is the reasonable or what are people thinking, the presumption. Now, you have some cases that are more radical. And just to show you how this works, and that again was on last the last daf, which continues the discussion today, the whole concept of Shchiv Meira. Shchiv Meira is that a person on their deathbed we assume that what they're saying is so strong that even if it doesn't have kinyanim and it doesn't have all the, the writing down, we are going to listen to it. Now, ironically, very often in American law, what is said on the deathbed is challenged. And it could be true in, in Jewish law as well if you could show that the person really wasn't of right mind. But this is one of the great challenges to contracts. You know, any contract in American law has a number of challenges. It happened to be this was, uh, in my brief, very brief career in law, this was an area that uh, I was dealing with, uh, trust in estates, what was the person thinking. Did, uh, it's usually an argument from the person or a child who didn't get as much as they want. They'll claim that somebody, another sibling, was messing with the mind. So if a will was changed, it's not exactly the same as Shchibmira, it was under duress, it was unconscionable, there wasn't a meeting of the minds, there wasn't proper consideration, all the defenses to a contract. Now, this idea of umdana comes up many places. One of the most famous uh, cases is actually going to be later on in Meseches Ksuvos, on Daf uh, Tzadi Zion, and we'll wait till we get there. But it has to do with uh, grain supply. There was a uh, famine in uh, part of Bavel, or lack of supplies in Nahardia, and people started to sell their houses in order to raise cash to buy grain. And there were questions about the legality of these contracts, especially when new grain ended up uh, coming. So this is something that we'll see later, where you could have umdana, like on a communal basis. And Rav Nachman over there points out that uh, you retroactively could void a contract on an umdana. An umdana sometimes is not just what a person is thinking, but what a person would have done if they had different facts in front of them. I did want to add one thing before we get back to Rebbe Lezben Azariah and this whole idea of a uh, Tanai. You know, a Tanai is an interesting halacha concept. We'll see this more in Mesechus Ksuvos when a person says, Hariyat Mekodesh Asli Al Tanai. 
And at the end of the day, in this situation, the Tanai really is uh, washed away as it becomes integrated into the Ksuba itself. I like to connect things to what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. And I raised an issue that uh, is an old issue in Eretz Yisrael about a get al Technically, a get al could work. It's already discussed in the Gemara and the Rishonim. Very often not uh, pro, but the situation, it goes back to David HaMelech, really. Um, let's take what's happening in Israel. You have a lot of soldiers, they go away from home. And what happens if Rechmanel Islan, they don't come back. And we see that uh, Rechmanel Islan, it's not easy to identify bodies at times. So you can end up in a situation where a woman is Naguna. This uh, was a big issue in the 1973 war, 50 years ago. In fact, Ravad Yosef spent an entire year, I think he was almost closed off from everything else, freeing uh, Agunos, very, very uh, important ways. Obviously, he's one of the Gedolim. I don't know if it's accurate, but I've heard there was not one Aguna. But to avoid this issue... There's something called the get out tonight. A guy, before he goes off to serve, he gives his wife a get. The get is only on condition that he doesn't return within a certain amount of time. Now, there are a lot of legal challenges to this whole principle. What happens if he does come back, you know, for a visit? It's a small country. Sometimes people could get off. Um, especially if they're in Miloim, but even if not, and that may cancel the whole get-out tonight, and you'd have to do it each time. The bottom line is, uh, I heard this question posed to Ravasha Weiss, and Ravasha Weiss says we don't like to do a get-out tonight for one main reason, and I actually heard a second reason given by uh, another Rav. I just don't have the authority to quote him. The first is the government doesn't want this to happen. It's not good for the morale of the army. If somebody's uh, fighting and he's worried about what's going to happen with his wife, a get out tonight, it's already psychologically could have a negative impact on the morale. And we know, of course, from the Torah, already from the Torah, that we're very concerned about uh, the morale of Chayalim, especially in Nechemes uh, Mitzvah, even in Nechemes Roshos. Actually, it's only for Muhammad's Rishus where the special dispensations are given in the Torah. But we're even in a Muhammad's Mitzvah, we're going to be concerned, uh, maybe especially then, where the stakes are so high. I heard also a um, second interpretation of why the Get Al Tanai is not a favored position today. It's not just a question of the morale of the Chayal and then by definition the army, but also for the woman. You know, women whose husbands go away, it's hard enough for them to deal with, and this would uh, have an impact on their hope. You know, so much of our uh, life, the the strong uh, faith that we have is that things will get back to uh, normal, if we could put that in quotations. And you don't want women having on their minds, you know, so many women, the real 
possibility that the husband's not going to return, you know, with a document, a piece of paper, a get out tonight. I actually heard from Ravasha Weiss that a better approach is give the person a bracha. Uh, give the person a bracha. And that's what he tells these uh, men. And he gives a bracha. And then Ravasha Weiss said so beautifully, he turns to the Rabbana Shalom. I mentioned this at Charles Shuddis and Shul. And he says, I'm going to give a bracha. I'm a big Tom Chacham. He's saying that modestly. If my bracha doesn't come true, it's going to create a Chil Hashem because people are going to say that uh, the bracha from a Talmud Chacham doesn't work. So these are things uh, to keep in mind. So I wanted to show two, <coughs> two halachas in the Rambam of Hilchos uh, Umdana. We'll start off with a general principle, which did come up uh, with the Shchid Meirak case, but it applies uh, across the board to Umdana. And then we're going to show you the halacha, how we paskin. Again, this could have practical uh, consequences, but uh, not so likely. But it's good to learn these halachic principles, which do have practical applications. So the Rambam in Perak Shishi of Hilchos Zechiah Umatana. Hilchos Zechiah Matana is in uh, the Sefer Kenyan of the Rambam. I'm just going to read it. Liolam Omdim Dasanose, that we assess the intent of a giver in a situation where someone is giving a gift. But this applies also in a more broader context, even if it's not technically a gift. If the situation indicates his ultimate intent, so here's the key. We act according to that intent, even if it's not stated explicitly. See, we generally follow a principle which uh, we learned will learn in Kiddushin Memtes Amabes of Dvarim Shepalevim Dvarim that matters left in a person's heart not explicitly stated don't have a consequence but there are going to be exceptions where the uh, person's intent is obvious which is um, the situations that we're dealing with over here and the Rambam gives a few cases Ketzat, what's implied Let's say if someone's son traveled overseas, the father heard a report that uh, his son died. So then the father signs over all his property as a public and binding gift to a third party. And then his son returns. So this gift is not binding because clearly had the father known that the son was alive, he would have never signed it over to someone else. Okay, so this is a umdina, just an umdina situation. Okay, there are other cases that are brought in that Rambam in Parashishi that get close to our case. But let me just give our case straight out, which you're going to find in Rambam Hilchas Ishus. So you see how you know, people who are real Tamil Chachamim, they know, uh, they know all these Rambams and they're able to match them up. And Baruch Hashem, we have, for guys like me, we have the Ein Mishpat Ner Mitzvah on the side of the page that sends us to the right place. So the Rambam says, and this is going to be clearly the, the Psak of Rabbi Lezab ben Azariah, Hamari Sisi Isha, someone has Eresin, V'chasav Lok Suba, V'lo Nichna Salachupa, 
So they didn't have Nisuin. They only had the first stage. Remember, it used to be done away in advance. It could happen today. Let's say somebody uh, between Arison and Nisuin at the wedding. You have a tragedy that ends up happening. But let's just get back. Adayan Arusahi. The bottom line is she's still in Arusa. Okay, this relates to an older discussion that we had, but the Ksuba itself doesn't make it a Nisuan, even though it generally relates to the Nisuan. You know, you have today, it's a big issue at weddings, you know, the timing of the wedding. You're signing the Ksuba before there's even Arisen. But we segregate the two. There's the Arisen and there's the Nisuan. Generally, the Ksuba applies to the Nisuan, but we're going to end up seeing that the Iker Ksuba, which is the basic amount, let's say the 200 in the Basula situation, that is connected to the Ksuba. But the Tosefes, the additional amount, as Elizabeth Benazir said, is connected to the Nisuin. Let me read it. This is what happens if uh, he dies or there's a divorce between the Arison and the Nisuin. So you end up uh, collecting from, in the case of death, you would end up getting it, she would collect it from the property, right, that's possessed by his estate. Since at this point, she did not enter into Nisuin. They didn't enter into Nisuin. And the Gemara explains, if you look at the Lushan carefully, that it shouldn't be a Bilas Nus, a, a relationship of Nus, that the woman's granted this additional amount in consideration of them living husband and wife, including the sexual relationship. Okay? So uh, this gives you a good sense of umdana. I was looking forward to giving the shear, and uh, Baruch Hashem. Okay, have a great week of learning.